Hallelujah. Praise God. It, oh, my, my brother and my sister, we're living in a day of cheap crosses and, and cheap grace. And we don't appreciate and appropriate many times the cost of our salvation. One of the reasons we get so beaten and beleaguered when the troubles come is because our eyes shift from He who died for us to us who suffer in the tribulations of living in a faulty body in a fallen world. Jesus tried to prepare us for what was ahead. He said, he said my peace I give you, not as the world gives, give I thee. So don't expect this calm, cool, collected, I've heard it preached, I've never seen it lived. Even by the preachers who preached it. Amen. You don't know the behind the scenes. You know the guy on the television that just stepped out of makeup with a, you know, a, 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 a $1,500 suit on and a $5,000 watch on and looking like he's on top of the world and never has any problems. But behind the scenes, when you know the whole story, you see the times of suffering, the times of the valleys that they have walked through. There are no victors that haven't been victims of this fallen world. And so that's why Jesus said it's not of this world. So don't expect my peace to come by everything being all smooth in your life. In fact, he said in this world. How many still live in this world? This, how many know it's a fallen world? It's a fallen world. And, in, and because of that, in this world, this fallen world, you shall have tribulation. Thelpsis is the Greek word, and it means pressure and anguish. So if it's not bad enough to put you under pressure and cause you anguish, it's not what he was talking about. If it isn't that bad, I've got bad news and good news. The bad news is it's going to get that bad. Amen? Every Christian ought to be prepared for it to get that bad. But if it gets that bad, it's going to get good because God is able to make all things work together for good. To them that love him and are the called according to his purpose. And that's why David, David even knew that back in the old covenant. Because he said, why? And, and listen, I could give you a list every time I've been cast down. And by the way, we are cast down. The Apostle Paul said, we are cast down, but not forsaken. We are persecuted, but not destroyed. And that word persecuted doesn't just mean somebody talking about you. This goes beyond that. This is Satan's intent to destroy you. The word persecuted in the Greek means chased as a deer. Now, there's a dear friend of mine, D-E-A-R, amen. I don't have any D-E-E-R friends, uh, but I mean, I have nothing against them. I don't want to kill Bambi's mama. Can you say amen or Bambi either? But uh, some hunters enjoy deer season, and there's a preacher friend of mine, and he loves deer season. He hunts with a bow. He says it gives the deer a better chance than a 30 alt 6 with a scope, amen. And he loves to get a deer and bring it back. And when he goes after a deer and he chases the deer, he follows the trail. He's looking for a deer to bring home and he does eat the venison. And his wife makes venison chili. And they say it's very good. I, I don't know. But uh, I've eaten venison and it's okay, you know. My uncle was going through a very hard time in his life. He was out of work. Uh, they were living on bologna sandwiches and Kool-Aid. 
Now, I'm going to tell you, when you get down to bologna sandwich and Kool-Aid, you might have wished to be in jail. Yeah. Amen? <laughs> you get, you're hitting the bottom of the... Ba- None of you would know about that. <laughs> the roaches ran away from the stuff in the kitchen. That's bad. That's when you got it bad. Amen. And my uncle was an avid, he was a preacher, and, and he was an avid hunter And in Ocala National Forest. He pastored in Ocala, so he was close to the hunting grounds. Amen. And so, so he, had, he had brought a lot of venison to my grandmother's house, and she had fixed it with gravy and, and, and venison, venison meat, I forget, steaks or whatever they did with it. And my uncle, my uncle that was doing so bad that eating bologna sandwiches and Kool-Aid just to make it by, he drove up in the yard, and I run out to meet him. I said, Uncle, Uncle Shorty, we called him. He was captain of the fire department in Middlesbrough, Kentucky, where Mike has actually been. Amen. He knows right where I was born and where my family roots go back to. And, and I said, Uncle, Uncle, Uncle Shorty, they called him Shorty because he was short. Amen. Figure that out pretty quick. But anyway, he said, he said, I said, Uncle Shorty, come on in. You're just in time. We're going to have deer meat tonight. And he said, if we get any meat around here, it'll be deer meat. Not D-E-E-R, but D-E-A-R. Because when you're, when you're down to bologna sandwiches for, for your meals, uh, meat, period, uh, other than bologna, is deer meat. But God has been good. You know what he said about the righteous and his covenant commitment to you and me? David said, I am, I, am in a, I am in a bloodline of those who are in a covenant that God struck with Abraham. And I have never, here's some, he said, I was young and now I'm old. And I used to kind of stop right there because I didn't identify. I felt like I'm not old yet. But at 70, I'm beginning to identify. And you're laughing. Go ahead and laugh. Amen. Your day is coming. <laughs> Your day is coming. And Brother Taylor said, and you're 70. No. 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 You don't look a day over 77. <laughs> I love you, brother. Amen. He's 78, and he's felt. How's that when you're, when you're slim and you're trim? And, and he, amen? Where did you get 88? Where did I get 88? That's what Brother Larkin was when the Lord said, that's about, that's about enough. Well, I'm going to take him on home rewarding. He did all of that under the anointing. All right. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Here, here's, here's the thing. I was, I was young. And now I'm old. I've lived a lifetime is what David was saying. I have never. I've seen a lot of things in my whole lifetime. But here's something I've never seen. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. And I've never seen his seed begging bread. Can you say amen? How many know God is a way maker? He's a good heavenly father. How many know his sheep ought to be fluffy? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. We are the sheep of his pasture. We're the people of his very hand. 
And if we decide to follow Jesus, He said, I have already decided to keep you and to bless you. You're part of a covenant family that God watches over. You are different from anybody that is on the face of this planet. Praise God. You don't just have a God in heaven. You have a heavenly Father. Hallelujah. And you're not even to start to use your faith or start to to mouth a prayer until you acknowledge that great fact and that great truth because it opens the door to the presence of the one that you're praying to. You don't say the force which is in heaven. You say the Father which is in heaven. And Jesus taught about the Father. He kept telling us, I go to my God and your God and my Father and your Father. To be able to say Abba Father is one of the greatest privileges of the child of God. Amen. To be able to enter His gates, come into His presence because you're part of His family. And secondarily, because you have a covenant with Him. You have a covenant with Him. In the New Testament, as I told you last week, it is the New Covenant. I'm going to read that again as we go forward. Because there's, I don't believe there's a person in this room that doubts that God can do the impossible. How many believe God can do the physically, humanly impossible? He couldn't be God. He couldn't be God if He couldn't do the impossible. There's nothing impossible with God. The fact that He can do the impossible, and whether He will do the impossible for you, that's where faith either stands strong or breaks down. And the enemy wants to break your faith down, not on whether he has the power to do it, but does he love you enough, and is he faithful enough, and is he committed enough to you to do it for you? So that when you pray, you don't wait to see what's going to happen when you pray, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray. That means faith has to pre-exist your prayer. You can't believe when you pray if you don't have faith before you pray. And faith cometh, and hearing by... I want to make something very clear here today. Faith doesn't come by having heard. There's too many people that sit in churches that, oh, I've heard that. Well, faith doesn't come by having heard it at some point in time. Faith doesn't come by having heard it. Faith comes by hearing. In that anointed moment, in that anointed time, faith comes by hearing. It's in the right here. It's in the right now. Praise God. You can't use last week's faith today. Now. Everybody say now. now. How many know what now means? It means right here, right now. Now faith is. Now. It can't be yesterday. It's got to be today. It's got to be now. It's got to be where you are in the present tense. Now faith is. Too many people are trying to use yesterday, last week, last month, last year, last time I recommitted our faith that goes way back and, and, and not paying attention to something because we've heard it before. Tell me something new and different. Faith doesn't come by learning something new and different. It comes by reiterating that that God has said and God has spoken in His Word and reiterating His person so that you know Him enough to trust Him enough to believe Him when you pray. 
Whatsoever things you desire, Jesus taught. When you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Praise God. Amen. That's why I love the Word of God. I, I try to find it on my radio. Sometimes it's bad word. Sometimes it's good word. Amen. Depending on who's preaching it. But if there's a biblical message that is faith, Christ-centered and faith-building, I'm going to listen to it. I don't know it all. And did you know something? When I went through nervous exhaustion and I felt like heaven was brass and my feelings and my emotions were so torn up, I couldn't sense God. I couldn't feel God. Therefore, I felt I couldn't find God. But I went to the Psalms and found impatient people going through things. I found David saying, How long, O Lord? Impatient. How long will you not avenge me of my enemies? How long is this trial going to last? How long, O Lord? And I find David wanting to get away from the pressure. Listen to David's words before he came back to that believing faith. He said, Oh, that I had the wings of a dove. If I had a bird's wings, you know what I would do right now, he said? I would fly away to the wilderness and be at rest and hasten my escape from the windy storm and tempest. His life was like a hurricane. His life was like a tornado tearing things down. Uh, I don't know about you, but I, I, I have lived in a, in a single-wide mobile home, a 60 by 12. We thought it was nice. We, we thought it was roomy uh, because we had moved out of something smaller. And uh, you, you may think 60 by 12 is not very big unless you've lived in a 32 by 8. <laughs> Amen. Suddenly a 60 by 12 looking really good. We got in that trailer, and it was up on, it, it was in a, the back of a trailer park, and we moved in it, and we loved it, and we thanked God for it. But it was way up off the ground. There was several blocks up. You could just see under it. It wasn't anchored with hurricane anchors. And a storm came in that trailer park. And I'm telling you, we had a, one of those little Spanish-type chandelier things over the real cheap, but it was over the, the little old octagon table we had for a dinner table and that thing started shaking so bad under that wind and it was hailing and and that that thing was moving like that and i could feel that old trailer giving and i thought boy this thing's up here the wind can get under it it's not strong so we went in the in the bathroom got my 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 family in the bathtub got a mattress and put over us and we sat in that bathtub and I grabbed hold of that mattress and got a hold of Jesus. Can you say amen? Amen. And what I didn't know was that the neighbors, because sometimes staying in a place in certain kinds of storms is worse than going laying in a ditch. However, it would be very hard for me to go lay in a ditch in the middle of some of that storm like that. But they told us afterward that the neighbors... Oh, I'm, I'm, I, I know you're wondering if I survived or not. So, so, so here's a spoiler. I survived. We survived. But it wasn't because of the strength of the trailer, but God's hand and God's goodness. Because they knew 
That, that one's not tied down. That one sits higher than any of the rest. And the neighbors in the mobile home park told us after the storm, we saw your mobile home rocking. And we were watching to see if it went over. Because ours was beginning to rock. And if yours went over, they were going to run out of theirs and go try to find some place in a ditch to lay down. And they were watching our mobile home. Uh, yeah, it'll, it'll shut down, but it'll come back, right? All right. They were watching us to see if we went under. And I'm going to tell you about your trials and your tests. Amen. You can talk faith, and I can talk faith, and I can preach faith all day long. But when the heat is on and the pressure is on, people are watching us to see if we're going to go under. And you know what God wants to do? Sustain us and let them know that He is faithful. Hallelujah. That He is faithful. So I don't know how God's going to give you victory. I don't know when it's going to come. And I don't know how all that's going to operate. But I know that God is faithful. No temptation has taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. I'm so glad it didn't say, but you be faithful, you stand in perfect faith. No, it says, no, don't even think about that yet. God wants you to be faithful. God wants you to stand in faith. But the first thing He wants you to acknowledge is His faithfulness so you can. Because without acknowledging His faithfulness, you could never stand in faith. That's why Paul said by the what the grace of God I am what I am. Hallelujah. Whatever I've accomplished, whatever I've overcome, grace has undergirded me. God was faithful to be gracious, and that's why I am faithful to God. Hallelujah. No temptation is taking you but such is common to man. You may think you are unique. Why is it this happening to me? Well, Join the club. In some form or another, it's going to happen to everybody. Everybody. You live in a faulty body. Everybody say a faulty body. This is a simple formula, but it's helped so many people to understand that God is still faithful even though these things occur. You live in a faulty body. You are not immortal. You are not beyond the need for a healer. And you live in a fallen world. Where an enemy of your soul will move people against you and he will move circumstances. He'll do everything that God allows him to do. He's tethered. My daddy owned a, worked at a tire shop that my granddaddy owned. Venable Tire Shop on Highway 574. And people would come in and while your back was turned, they would grab stuff, you know. And you'd get busy and something would be gone, a tool or whatever. So we got a junkyard dog. It was a, a literal junkyard dog that guarded junkyards. We put him on a chain, big chain, heavy chain. Because this dog, I don't know what he was mixed with. He, I don't know. If, he wasn't no little pit bull. He was big. He was huge. He, yeah, he was, he was just, but he was mean. The dog was mean. And he was mischievous. He was mean to somebody he didn't know and mischievous to somebody that he knew. My daddy would bend over to work on something and he would come up and curl up his lips so just his little fine front teeth and he would pinch him on the bottom. 
<laughs> and I don't know if dogs grin or not, but I can swear that dog looked like he was grinning when my dad went, Oh, put that. But if he didn't know you, he won't hurt you. And I saw a cat, and he was brave. I guess he hadn't met a junkyard dog yet. You know, some cats can buffalo some dogs, but not this junkyard dog. No, man, he's kind of like my little terrier. (laughs) I told the veterinarian, because old cat, we were in there waiting for the vet to check him out. An old Persian cat, big old Persian, you know, come and just peeked around the corner. And, uh, and my dog went, oh, he started, he turned up all the hair on his back. And I told the, the vet's uh, uh, assistant, I said, I said, my dog loves cats. But he said he didn't think he could eat a whole one. Uh, you know, so that she would understand him and cats just don't get along. But I saw this cat come, and I thought, you, you are on dangerous ground. And I saw the dog eye him. And I knew what was going to happen. And I mean, this was a big chain and a leather thing around his neck. And they would take him to, to take him to chain him somewhere else if a customer came in and, uh, and, and didn't want him to bother the customer. And he, you couldn't hold him. If he really wanted to get at you, you could not hold him back. He was so strong and powerful. And he saw that cat and he forgot he was tethered. He forgot that he was on a chain, and he tore off after that cat with no regard for what was about to happen. And the cat must have been good at, what would it be, physics, geometry? What, what is it where he both, where he understood? I've seen that dog go to the end of this chain. There is an end to this chain. I mean, this is not a cartoon. This is for Rizzle. Can you say, man, this is for real. Amen. That, he tore off after him, and when he hit the end of the chain, he was in full stride. He had one thing in mind. I'm going to have me a cat. I'm going to get him, and nothing's going to stop me because he forgot he was tethered. Amen. But the cat knew he was tethered. And the cat must have been six inches. And the cat never ran. The cat never got scared because the cat had it figured out. He's going to get right up to me. And he's going to want to do harm to me. And if it wasn't for that chain that he's on, he would do it, but he is chained. And he's going to have to stop short of hurting me. And the cat just sit there and watched it all. And I've never seen a cat laugh either, but I believe I heard a cat laugh that day. Amen. I know I laughed. Because when he hit it, it he hit it full of force. It's a wonder it didn't break his neck because it jerked him straight up in the air. His hind feet went out where his head was. His head was back here where his hind feet was. And then he plop hit the ground. And the cat just kind of and walked away, strutting. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, a cat will strut. Won't he? He'll strut. He's strutting his stuff. We bad. We bad. Amen. I'm going to tell you something about the devil. You're our enemy today. Hallelujah. He's tethered. He's on a chain concerning you. 
Amen. He will, if you don't take him off the chain and give place to him, he don't have God's authority to do what his intentions are to you. Can you say man? He goes, he goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That means there are people that are off limits. That means there are people that he has no authority to do harm to. Can you say man? That means there are people in a holy covenant with a holy God. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. So the Bible said, submit yourself unto this holy God and stay in covenant relationship and, and faith in His faithfulness. Submit yourself unto God, the book of James said. And Satan, the devil, this roaring lion, who if he could, he would destroy you. He will flee from you. And the word flee in the Greek means to run as in panic. And that's why I've always preached and taught and tried to live my Christian faith out. In Oh, friend, there's no place in faith or in God that the devil will not run at you. He's going to take a run at you every way he can and given every opportunity. Can you say amen? But remember, he's tethered. He's tethered. If you don't just give place to Him. And the word place is an important word in the Greek. Because it means terra firma. It means an actual piece of ground. Let me, let me run this by you quickly. The time is fleeting. There's no clock up there. So you get that. If you think they can't stand it anymore, just... Take this and pull me over here. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ain't no place to go anywhere. It's cold out there. It's nice in here. This is, this is important. My mom and daddy never had a home of their own. They finally bought a piece of land. Terra firma. That word place. They had a place to build on. If they hadn't had the lot, they couldn't build. One of the, one of the biggest Builders of, of wooden homes, little two-bedroom wooden homes, one-bedroom, one-bath homes, was Jim Walter. They built a huge corporation. And they, they really helped a lot of poor people like us. Because if you could pay for your piece of land, my dad went in with his brother, and they brought an acre, and they halved it. So that my, his, he couldn't afford the whole acre, but he could go in with, with, with his brother, my uncle, and they halved that acre. And he had the deed to a half acre. He went to Jim Walder Corporation and they said, we will build you a two-bedroom, one-bath home on that half acre. And they couldn't go wrong because when they built the home, the land and the home would go to the Jim Walder Corporation if you defaulted. And in fact, when they divorced, my mother and dad divorced, that's exactly what happened. It defaulted back to Jim Walter. He had a home. He had a half acre. And he could sell that now for way more than just building the house on the half acre. But he would not do it unless there was a legal situation where that land belonged to you first. And then you were putting almost like a quick claim deed over to him. If you default, it's automatically his. Let me tell you something about your life and your enemy of your soul.
If the devil is wreaking havoc, I'm not talking about causing havoc in your life. I'm talking about winning these victories. There's too much defeat for covenant people with a promise of victory. There's way too much defeat. And it's not just touching the pew or the seats in the church. It's touching pulpits. One of the ministers that I've known for over eight years with a strong anointed ministry has just stepped down from the pulpit of a very progressive in terms of spiritually impacting church. Because in his family, between himself and his wife, the wedge over time. Have you ever seen how a wedge works? You can take a log that big around and set a wedge this big. The wedge seems so small in relation to the circum- circumference of that tree that is down. But you set the wedge. And you, listen, you don't have to be like this guy. I'm glad you're here today because when it comes to muscles, I, I'm glad you covered them up today. It's, it makes me feel so terrible when you... Has he got any muscle shirts, the ones that just... I saw one the other day, I I thought of you. Because it was a muscle shirt because it had no sleeves. And on it, you know what it said? It said, I I flexed flexed my guns and the sleeves fell off. (laughs) Amen. So I thought of you in that. The devil doesn't have to be strong to set a wedge. Once he sets the wedge, he listen, a strong person can do it quicker, but it don't take it, it's go, the devil is very patient and persistent. And you can just you just start hitting it with the hammer. And if you don't break that sequence, every time you hit it, and it don't have to be a big hit either, every time you hit it, that wedge that's sharp on the end is driven a little deeper into the wood. And as it goes deeper into the wood, it starts to put pressure on the tree. And there will come a point, because of the consistent, persistent, uninterrupted, Satan is counting on no interruption coming to the wedge that he's set and pounding on. I'll tell you, when you see problems coming, you've got to do something. You can't just sit back and wait on God to take care of it. There's a point where the husband has to rise up. The wife has to rise up. The Christian has to rise up. Can you say, man, and say, enough. I'm not going to continue. Whatever this is, I'm going to, I'm going to be the part that puts the stop to it. Because if, if the devil can do this in an anointed preacher's life, if he can do it in a Christian woman's life, amen. Listen, you've got to give place to him for him to do it. He can't do it without a door that is open to him. Amen. Submit yourself unto God. Resist the devil. He can't do it. He can't operate. He will what? 
He will do what He's supposed to do, what He has to do, what He has no choice but to do, flee from you. Because if God is for us, who can be against us? Can you say amen? They will come out against you one way, but they will flee before you seven ways. There is victory. It is a covenant right of the children of God to have this help in the time of trouble. But it takes a full-blown submission to God. And when I see pulpit ministers anointed of God and watch the devil, how, how can someone who knows the Word, how can someone who's so anointed, how can Saul, with an anointing to be king over Israel, go out into battle, go as far off as he went, and violate the anointing and be killed like he was killed? Pride. When thou was little, in thine own eyes, I made thee king over Israel. But now your kingdom is taken from you and given to another. You were a legitimate king, a God-appointed king, a God-anointed king. When you were little, in your own eyes, God made you king over Israel. Hallelujah. What, what, what meaneth this? And what, well, you know the story of Saul, how he was told to go under God's anointing and execute God's justice upon those who would, who would pillage and kill and, and, and take what is not theirs. He said, I don't want the king to live. I don't even want the oxen that they have. I don't want their grain. I don't want anything to do with them. Don't bring nothing to me that has to do with them. But in his pride to show off the spoils of war, he brought the best of the auction. oxen. He brought the king in a yoke back. And the prophet said when he saw that, what meaneth this, the brain of the oxen? What does this mean? What did God tell you to do? Why haven't you done it? Can you say, man, it was that pride that was in him. And not only did he do it and not listen to the prophet and not repent, he continued on. And then he even had prophets killed that wouldn't agree with him. And then he and Jonathan went into battle. And God had given them victory after victory after victory when he was right with God, when he was submitted to God. And in order to be submitted to God, you've got to be little in your own eyes. And I have to be little in my own eyes. I want to be effective. I take great joy in hearing that someone's being blessed by our ministry, but I've got enough sense to know without the Holy Spirit, without God's grace, without the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Robert A. Venable is just a, a, a hunk, of, hunk of mud. <laughs> Amen. There's nothing in and of myself that could do this. Only God could do it. And my job is to say, stay submitted and stay surrendered and keep my faith in Him. Listen carefully. These things are, are terrible horrifying to me that that someone like that and that's why they went into battle and they not only killed them Jonathan and Saul were not just killed and by the way Jonathan loved David 
more than a man's love for a woman. In other words, there was nothing sensual about it, nothing of any kind of sexual reason. There, it, this was a, a love for a brother. It had nothing to do with sexuality. It was beyond that dimension of the expression of marital love or something. It's way beyond that. He loved him greater than a man's love for a woman. But when push come to shove, he chose his family over his faith. He knew his dad was wrong. He knew it. Did you know there are people sitting in church today where there's powerless service going on? But my mama goes there. My daddy goes there. My grandma went there. It's just coming down, sitting there drying up spiritually. Literally drying up spiritually. Following a family tradition. And I don't know about you, but I don't... I, I, when it, listen, you've got to love Jesus more than your father, your mother, your sister, your brother, your house, your land, your wife, your husband, and yea, your own life. Also, come on. He, he, he says, I deserve that kind of devotion and nothing less. Because if it's anything less, you'll be swayed by your father, your mother, your sister, your brother, or somebody else. And I've seen this down. I've seen people die with diseases in churches that believe the days of miracles are over. And they would not even go to a service where someone is praying for the sick. Because they're so committed to their tradition. So, com so committed to their tradition. And then when there's a need, they ask everybody to pray. But the problem is they have no faith to receive. Can you say amen? It's, Jesus couldn't heal anybody that didn't have faith to receive. He asked them, do you believe I'm able to do this thing? Do you believe? Does he have the power? Yes. Is he going to override our unbelief? No. As your faith be, so be it unto you. Amen? So I don't know about you, but whatsoever is not of faith is sin in this sense. We're, we're not looking to God exclusively. We're looking to God as a last resort. And some people don't even believe he's going to do that. There's a cessation message out there that means the days of miracles are over. And you know why that message has come into vogue? It's because, number one, there's no move of God. It's a Bible teaching without any presence, without any power, without any deliverance, without any healing, without any help from above. And the second reason is because of people that are reporting false miracles. And people that are praying on people with great needs. And they're phony. And they're praying prayers and nothing is occurring. And when they follow up, they can't validate one single solitary miracle. I think it's amazing that a nationwide evangelist can't find somebody in some doctor's trail to validate a miracle. And we sit in a little church right here in Tampa, and we could do that. I can't do it now because there's been so many years since I was eight years old. Like 62 since then. But if Dr. Paul Menthorne was still in business, I'd sure like to have my report. Because I would like to have 
the date that I was prayed for and the date that I was brought back to the doctor, the date I was diagnosed with leukemia, the date I was prayed for, and the date that went back to the doctor and he checked my blood again and found no sign of cancer anywhere in it and wrote down on my report, spontaneous remission. What a coinkadink, right? As Papa said. Amen. You got cancer. You have prayer over you. You go back and the cancer is gone. And the doctor won't acknowledge God. But he will acknowledge what he has to acknowledge because of the test that he's looking at. There's no cancer in this child's blood. It's gone. And I'm going to be 70 the 20th. That's a long time since then. I'm so happy to be. I'm like Minnie Pearl. You remember Cousin Minnie? When they brought her out on the Nashville stage, she said, I'm so proud to be here. Well, I'm proud to be here because if the devil had his way, I wouldn't be here. But he's tethered. He can only go so far. Amen. And if you don't, Mm, if you don't give place to him, if you don't give, if I don't give place to him, he has no authority. You ought to be like that cat that knows that he's tethered and knows he can do all this barking and he would if he could destroy me, but he's tethered. God is for me. Hallelujah. Who can be against me? Glory be to God. They'll come out against you one way, but they will flee from you seven ways. Hallelujah. That is God's number for perfection and completion. It means your victory won't be half-baked. It'll be God putting you over in spite of all the enemy has intended to do to you. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, I want to be right with God. Because if I'm right with God and submit myself to Him and put my faith in Him, amen, the devil will not be able to do what he wants to do. Don't stop praising Him. Don't stop trusting Him. Don't stop believing Him. Hallelujah. Ascribe unto Him all power in heaven and earth. And don't blame the devil for nothing. Oh, blame him for causing the problem. I'm talking about if you get defeated, do not blame your enemy. Take an inventory. So David, David said when he heard what happened, because they not only killed Saul and Jonathan, precious anointed Jonathan, they hacked them to pieces. They couldn't even bury them. They picked up the pieces. You see, a roaring lion wants to destroy completely. He's not coming to bite you and cripple you. He's coming to consume you. That word roaring means he's roaring because his belly is empty. He's roaring because he's got to find something to eat. This, he's not fronting. He's not faking it. The thief came but to steal, kill, and if he could, destroy. But I've come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. Can you say man? Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's too much defeat. If it was a, an aberration, if it just happened over here and happened over there, but the majority have victory, it would be different. But it's not that way anymore. It's touching the pulpit. It's touching the preacher. It's touching the preacher's family. It's touching a man across the board. It's touching Christians who have married. We used to be able to say that Christian marriage can weather the storm. A Christian marriage has safeguards because both people are seeking God and that wedge can't be set and driven between those two people. It used to be sacred. The vows were sacred. And it used to be that when we compared our marriages with the world, that we could always say, God has kept us together. Oh, Roberts and his precious wife, Evelyn. Billy Graham and his precious wife, Ruth Bell Graham. Can you say, man? But you have to go way back to find the kind of commitment to Christ and to one another that will weather the storms. You've got to go way back, Brother Taylor. Because right now, the divorce rate among Christians matches the divorce rate in the pagan world with no defender of their marriage, no commitment of their heart to God's will or purpose. Did I tell you last week about New Yorker magazine? I don't read the New Yorker magazine, obviously. But I'll read just about anything when I'm waiting in a doctor's office. Well, I haven't been in a doctor's office in years. I've been in a hospital, but there's a waiting room in a dentist. I have been to a dentist some years ago. I picked up the, picked up the New Yorker, and I'm reading. There's a commentary on relationships. And there's a cartoonist that is going to take this and put it in cartoon form to complement the commentary by this journalist. And, and it shows a groom and a best man waiting for the bride to come down. They're going to get married today. And the groom, groom's best man turns to him and says, John, are you sure about this? You realize you're making a five or six year commitment here. <laughs> Amen. And you know something? The world gets it. The world gets it. You know, I have no problem marrying this gal. Because if she don't work out, I'll marry that gal next. If she don't work out, I'll marry that one. The world has no accountability in their heart to God. And no commitment, no deep commitment. Look at Hollywood. I was standing in line at a grocery store. Anybody ever stood in line at a grocery store? Anybody ever happened to look over at the books t about the stars and so-and-so's divorce and so-and-so and someone is an alcoholic and someone is a sexaholic and someone just checked themselves into the Betty Ford Center and, and it, I'm looking at it and I got up there finally and it was a long line and the young lady and the bag person there, boy, it happened to be an old man like me, but anyway, uh, got up to there and, and said, thank you very much, sir, for your patience because they had to check a price. Thank you, sir, for your patience. I said, you know, I'm just so thankful. 
I said, I just look at all these rich and famous people and what an awful mess their life is in. And I said, it just makes me appreciate my life more. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Because I've got a healthy marriage. I've got a happy home. Glory to God. Oh, my friends, you, you may live in a better house, but you can't live in a happier home. And I found out something about your better house. If you don't have love in it that really holds you, that makes you happy, that fulfills you, amen, that's all you got is a house. A house is not a home until love is the ruling factor of everybody that's in it. Can you say amen? Somebody said, if I just had that house, oh, honey, build a home before you think about a house. Praise God. Hallelujah. I could live in a tent with Pamela for a little while. Praise God. We got married. I didn't have nothing. Didn't have a window to throw it out either. Amen. Didn't have no house. We had our honeymoon. Exotic. Exotic honeymoon on Pine Street. Between Mango and Sefner, Florida. That's getting exotic. Can you say amen? 28-foot trailer that belonged to my uncle that he left when he couldn't eat bologna sandwiches even anymore and went back to Kentucky and became captain on the fire department and retired with full retirement. If you go to the museum, you will see Walter Venable's retired boots and hat and a fire axe behind a glass in in the museum. Ah, we're big shots in Middlesbrough. Amen. Amen. But but you know something? We were so glad to be together. That's all that really mattered. And there's something about being in love with the Lord, not just loving Him with a religious brand of responsible responsibility stuff that makes you look so sad all the time. But having a joyous, intimate relationship with Jesus where you sup with Him and He sups with you and the times get bad and you say, you know, all this is bad, but this is so good. Hallelujah. The good is better than all of the bad. And I'm going to celebrate Jesus. Whether people love me or whether they don't. Whether people like me or whether they don't. Whether they approve me or whether they don't. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Mount Calvary tells me so and you know what that stimulates in me oh how i love jesus oh how i love jesus we love him because he first loved us how oh how i love jesus because he first he first loved me With all the defeat that is around us. Don't look at someone that has been defeated and think you can't win. Don't do that. When David heard of the defeat, here's what he said. How? How could this be? You know what they did with the pieces of flesh 
arm here, a leg there, a head cut off, and the body mutilated. They burned the flesh off the bones and took the bones and buried them. The devil ain't playing. You walk away from God in rebellion and open the door to Him. He came to steal, kill, and destroy. He's not going to stop short. That is the end. He will not stop short. I don't know about you, but when I hear that little song from the island, shut the door. Keep out the devil. Shut the door. You know who controls the door to open to Christ or to shut to the enemy? Do you know who controls that door? There's no knob on the outside. Satan can't get in unless you let him in. Amen. Can you say, man, Jesus won't come in unless you let him in. Amen. You know where it's, do you see where this is going? This is coming down to me and you. If God has his way, nobody's going to be defeated in this room. God has already had his way enough to say that Satan, I give you power. Every one of you sitting here, this is not some evangelist somewhere that fasts all the time and has a prayer life that's beyond anyone. To every child of God, behold, I give unto you power. How much? Over all the power of the enemy. The whole netherworld, all of his minions and demons have nothing compared to what you and I possess in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Because He has a name that is above every name that is named of things in heaven. There's no angel above Him. Can you say, man, of things in earth? There's no earthly king or ruler above Him. But it doesn't stop there of things beneath the earth, down in the realm of Satan's kingdom of darkness. Every demon knows Jesus is Lord. Can you say, man? Oh, by the way, it's not enough to know that He is Lord. You've got to make Him your Lord. Can you say man? But when He becomes your Lord, and you open the door to Him, and you shut the door on the devil, He has to flee from you. People who lose the victory will say this. I've said it when I lost the victory. But when I get the victory. And by the way, I don't want to lose it, get it, lose it, get it. I'm going to lose it, get it, keep it. Otherwise, you're one step forward, two steps back. Because when you lose the victory, he's going to hurt you. He's going to do damage. Amen. That's why I don't play church and that's why I preach this long and this strong on Sunday morning. Because this is not a game. This is for real. This is for real. They're out there. But they know. But they, their pride won't let them. I know. I've met people that tell me, I remember when I went to a funeral at Willie's, and they, there's a huge church there, and I met people at that church, and they were with somebody that didn't know me, and they said, right here's a man of God. 
I thought, boy, I'd love to see you come to church and worship with us sometime. Amen. If that, if I be a man of God, amen. Hallelujah. But that's okay. Amen. We can't, we can't manipulate what people do, but I can tell you this. You need to get real serious about your faith life. You need to get serious about your victory. You need to get serious about following Jesus Christ because the devil's not playing games. Amen. How art the mighty falling? Amen. It's not enough that you speak in tongues. It's not enough that you're anointed of God. It's not enough that you're appointed in a position. Saul had all of that. How art the mighty fallen, David said. How did that happen? How did they get so compromised that the devil could do this through these, these Philistine uh, armies that they went out, they used to win every battle. And he said, daughters of Jerusalem, weep for Jonathan. Weep for David. Listen to what happened when they were right with God. They were swift as eagles in battle. No one could stand before them. No one could defeat them under God's appointed victory and God's anointed to obtain that victory. Can you say man? And he said, and they not only got victory, but they clothed you with all kinds of silks and jewels. They brought back the spoils of war. They knew nothing but victory after victory after victory. And then he said, tell it not in Gath. Publish it not in Ashkelon. Gath and Ashkelon were the two capital cities of the Philistines. And I'm going to tell you something. The devil loves it when a prominent preacher fails. The devil loves it when Christians fall. Amen. Compromised and defeated. You know why he loves it? Because he wants to cast dispersions on the keeping power of God. On God's existence. On Christ as the Messiah. I'm not just fighting for me and my victory. Me and my marriage. Me and my ministry. You know what motivates me more than all of those? As much as I'm motivated by those. I'm fighting for the King that I serve. I represent a great king. I do not represent a God who abandons his sheep and let the wolves and lions tear them to pieces. I represent a great God. I represent a good God. I represent a healing God. I represent a helping God. I represent a delivering God. And I fight the good fight of faith to bring glory and honor to His name. I'm not here to brag on me. I'm here to tell you how great He is. How good He is. How gracious He is. Hallelujah. I'm here to tell you there is victory. I'm here to tell you I don't blame the devil for any defeat I've ever experienced. I blame me. I take full and absolute responsibility. Hallelujah. Because if I stay right with God, it ain't going to happen. If I obey the Lord in full surrender, it ain't going to happen. Can you say man? Hallelujah. 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 If I repent when I'm wrong, it ain't going to happen. Glory to God. If I see a wedge and the devil's pounding on it. Hallelujah. i got to do more than pray. I've got to get that wedge out. Don't let the sun... Here's the wedge. Here's one of his wedges. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. 
You say 24 hours? Uh-uh, honey. Sun's only up for 12. Come on, this is half a day, not a whole day. Can you say, man? I'll forgive tomorrow. No, you better do it for the sun sinks today. Because the wedge is set. And if you forget to do it, the wedge is set. The unforgiveness is there. The grudge, the resentment is there. And he's going to pound it. And he's going to get... Oh, by the way, some of these breakups, some of these failures, no one saw it coming because if you look closely where that wedge is going in, a crack is forming. A crack is forming. When you and your wife quit communicating, I'm not talking about your intimate life physically. I'm talking about beyond the physical realm. When you quit communicating, a crack is forming. Deal with it. Don't let it continue. When you quit praying, when your prayer life is empty, void, you've lost that relationship with God, that you could be on talking terms with Him, there's a crack forming in your relationship. Can you say, man, a wedge has been set, and He's pounding it. But the day you recognize what's going on, the Bible said we're not ignorant of His devices. And listen, your enemies, they're not all out there in the atheistic world. But your enemies shall be they of your own household. Satan's going to use people that you can't run away from completely. Amen. And by the way, you can't run away from all your giants and troubles. You can't move to the moon. You can't move to another planet. You've got to live on this planet. And God said, you know something? I, I love what one great preacher said. I believe it was Vance Havner. He said, he said the greatest thing God can do is take an unholy man and make him holy through salvation. An unholy man and make him holy. And take him out of the world, translated out of the powers of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear Son. And take that man out of the world and make him holy. And then put him back in the world as a witness for him and keep him holy. And it's that keeping power. Hallelujah. That we can overcome. Jesus said, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. In this world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I've went before you. I prepared the way for you. I faced the devil in my flesh, not in my divinity, but in my humanity. I was hungry when he told me to turn the stones to bread. But I said, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And if I can do it, you can do it. Because hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Because it's God's word in your mouth and in your heart. And the devil did what? He said he left him. And tempted him no more that day. He said there's no point in it. I can't get nowhere with somebody that's going to stand on the word. Even though their flesh wants something. They're not going to violate God's word to, to satisfy their flesh. Hallelujah. That's victory. So. <laughs> David said Soul. Why art thou disquieted within me? 
Hope thou in the Lord, for he shall yet be the health of thy countenance. Have you ever looked at yourself in the mirror when you wasn't, wasn't you know, in church? Even in church. You know, if, it's, if I had a, on, on Sunday mornings, if I had a hidden camera up here, and it had the wide lens, and it just spanned the audience during the entire service, you would have my perspective. You would see your own countenance. Let me tell you something about your countenance and how it affects people, how they read you through it. The eyes, book of Proverbs, of him who is joyful rejoices the heart of others. You just can't be around someone that's filled with the joy of Jesus and not feel that lift. But it goes on to say heaviness in the heart of a man causes him to stoop. But a good word makes him glad. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. I have good news to bring. And that is why I sing my joy with you. I'll share. I plan to take a trip on the good old gospel ship and go sailing through the air. But before Jesus comes, then I'll be with Jesus. But until I go to be with Jesus, He's come to be with me. That's right, Willie. Willie pointed it like this. He's come to stand by me. I will never leave you. No, never. To the fifth degree A Greek scholar said of that Aramaic and Greek what it all meant. I will never, to the fifth degree of that. It's more than emphatic. It's emphatic on top of emphatic on top of emphatic. I will never, no, never, 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 never. When God talks like that. Hallelujah. He's trying to get something across that we're in danger of missing. When heaven feels Distant, God feels distant, heaven feels brass, He's with you, He's right here, right now, a very present help in the time of trouble when you can't feel Him, can't find Him, can't see Him. He said, I'm right by your side. Woo! Glory to God, hallelujah. I'm right by your side, hallelujah. Glory to God, hallelujah. 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 See if we can cue that up, my dear brothers. We close this morning. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We had a lady leave and go to another church. And she gave this reason. Takes two people to make a marriage. One person can't make it work with all the faith in the world. And some marriages are just going to fail, period. But if there's two Christians that are following Jesus, it ought to make a difference. And if you've been through a divorce, do you want your next one to be like your last one or you want your next one to last? You want your wife to be faithful to you most of the time? Or some of the time? Or possibly you might want her to be faithful all the time. That's why this nominal Christianity won't float. Come on, it won't, it won't, it won't do it. I love Jesus. 
some of the time, and I'm faithful to him most of the time. No, honey, you wouldn't accept that in your marriage. He sure ain't going to accept it in your faith life. So something has to change. And it's not going to be God. The devil ain't going to change. He's like a roaring lion. Everybody say, hungry. He's hungry. And he came to destroy. But he's got to steal first. He can't kill or destroy until he steals. He's got to defraud us of something that is ours in Christ to hurt us. It doesn't start with killing. He can't just come in and devastate you. He's got to steal something and you've got to give it up. You've got to give it up. And the day you decide, I'm not giving it up anymore. I'm not going to be defrauded of the victory that God has promised me. I will not live in defeat and blame the devil. I will not live in defeat in Christian God. I'm going to shut the door keep out the devil and I'm going to open the door and let God shepherd me and watch what happens can you say amen to that I I want my marriage to work oh you say brother Vimble you're too old you're too old to be tempted listen because there's what snow on the rooftop don't mean there's what is it I say it wrong Fire down below? I don't think that's right. Can you say, man? I think it's fire in the fireplace. Isn't that right? That's the right way. Uh, You got me off track. Okay. You don't get too old to be tempted. And if he can't tempt you with something mostly young people are tempted by, he'll tempt you with something different. But he'll never stop trying to get you to take the bait. And I need to stay submitted to God for my marriage to stay strong. My wife still needs to stay submitted to God. Amen. It don't mean that we would leave one another for somebody else. It just means we just wouldn't want to be together anymore. There's all kinds of reasons for people to break up. And behind the scenes where I get to see, because I affiliate with ministers and ministries... And what I see, if I didn't know there was a real genuine victory, I would be deeply disturbed and deeply discouraged. Because I would say, how can that person know the Bible that well? How can that person preach under that heavy anointing and end up taking Satan's bait? How can that couple allow the enemy to get the wedge in their life? How did it happen? How are the mighty fallen it's as if they had not been anointed can you say man hallelujah oh i want to see victory like i never have seen victory in my generation anybody that hears this preacher is going to hear a victorious good report i don't i don't have the bad report to bring can you say man hallelujah Hallelujah. I will never agree with you that there's no hope for you in God. I will tell you every chance I get, God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Covenant, as we close, and we're really closing. Uniformly in the Hebrew word, it was used to express to fetter or obligation. From a root meaning to bind. A general characteristic of covenant is its unalterable and permanently binding character. In the context of the Old Testament, the covenant God made with His chosen constitutes a divine announcement of God's holy will to extend the benefits of His unmerited grace to men and women who are willing to receive them by faith and commit themselves to God in love. Hallelujah. I like that. Receive it by faith and then commit yourself to God in love for loving you enough to bind Himself to you and make a covenant. Praise God. And if we were panning the audience, we would zoom in on that face right there. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Because she's extremely happy (laughs) right now. Praise God. How many want to leave here happy? Happy is the man, happy is the woman that has the Lord God of Jacob for their help. How many will acknowledge God is ready to help you with whatever you're facing right here and right now? Praise God. God, our help in ages past is the great Christian hymn that acknowledges that great unchangeable truth. Will you stand your feet? Let's give him some praise this morning before we go home. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Did you get anything out of this today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Glory to the Lord. Glory to the Lord. Hallelujah. I commend every one of you that are going through heavy trials right now for being here today and saying amen to God's faithfulness. You've already taken a great step of faith in the right direction. Can you say amen? Amen. I know you can. Let's give Him praise before we go home.